Hi everyone, welcome once again to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And we're very happy to have today's guest with us. Introduce yourself, guest. Hi, I'm Jesse Hassinger. I'm a part-time movie critic and uh, co-founder of SportsAlcohol.com. And uh, a Muppet, a fellow Muppet nerd, we understand. Yes, yes. Since I was, as long as I can remember. Great to have you with us. Thanks, thanks for having me. And today we're watching uh, minutes 65 and 66 of the Muppet movie, in which the Muppets wait until they can resume watching the Muppet movie. (laughs) Then the patriotic part happens, and Doc Hopper brings in a deadly specialist. So uh, we pick up from the previous minutes with, animal eating his seat cushion it, and that's so <laughs> tactile and haven't we all in a moment of frustration in the movie theater wanted to just bite into the seat cushion and rip it with our teeth <laughs> whether like because there are too many previews or <laughs> not enough previews or yeah breaks in the middle yeah or yeah it's a great, editing, a great visual gag unnecessarily fast these days yeah <laughs> right yeah and I think I mentioned this last week, but you can actually, if, you, if you're looking at this two minutes at a time like we are, and you, you pause it, you can kind of see sort of the, the outline or the seams of where uh, the, the chunk of the seat cushion that Animal is about to rip out is, which, you know, I, I'm sure they did multiple takes of this, so, so they have right. to have that uh, set up so they could do it more than once. Uh, then we have uh, Statler and Waldorf. Statler says, how do you like the film? Waldorf says, I've seen detergents that leave a better film than this. <laughs> Which is a good joke. <laughs> and we've talked about this a lot, uh, like on our Tough Pigs forum and stuff about how uh, it's, especially in recent years, the Statler and Waldorf jokes are kind of lazy. Like, boy, I love good movies. Yeah, too bad this is a bad movie. No, ho, 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 ho. But... <laughs> This is essentially that joke, but there's actually a joke there, which is... Right. It's an actual joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that also, like, on The Muppet Show, they had been doing jokes about Fozzie for three seasons at this point, right? About how The Muppet Show is bad. Right. So I think that the writers here were just so excited to have, like, they're working in a new medium, so Statler and Waldorf can make a joke about film instead of Mm. theater, right? Yeah, it's specific to film. That's a good point. Right. So I think that's why they like are putting, pulling their A game. I've seen detergents <laughs> that leave a better film than this. Right, right. Well, you uh, got to figure too, like in character, like they've uh, they've just been watching like, you know, 50 plus minutes of a movie. In the Muppet Show, they only have to go like 10 minutes before they are allowed to say something derisive. And, you know, presumably they've been sitting quietly watching this movie. It's really going to eat at them. <laughs> Would not be able to make a joke. Right. On. You're right. You're right. They had to wait until the film broke. <laughs> like, Although they've probably been like whispering to each other. <laughs> right, right. But then on the other hand, we have Robin, who doesn't care what anybody else says. He's having a great time, which I almost wonder if that was kind of the, the filmmakers are maybe sort of trying to nudge the audience in that direction. Like, look, see, look how much fun this cute little frog is having. Aren't you having fun too? <laughs> 
Well, it's it, it's interesting because it's like it's a praise of the movie that they're watching, couched in a criticism of it, right? Because that one Waldorf just knocked the film. So then Robin doesn't just say I love it. He says I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> so it could just be referring specifically to Stalin Waldorf, but also to anyone else out there in real life watching the movie who doesn't like it. <laughs> well, and and I feel like Kermit's reaction says a lot too because it's I mean this is pretty typical I think of of Henson's reactions playing to this kind of thing when playing Kermit, but he. He doesn't say like, oh, Robin, thank you. That means a lot to me. Or, you know, oh, then that's all that matters. He just gives the kind of, you know, cursory, like, good, you know, kind of, he's glad Robin's having a good time. He's not really making any arguments for like, yeah, you're right. Like, no one should criticize this movie. <laughs> he's just right. like, oh, good. Robin's, Robin's happy. <laughs> right. Well, and this is all of those things from this movie that applies in general. Like, for a while, my Facebook profile picture was a screenshot of this with the stick on it. Oh, I don't care what anyone says. I'm having a great time, <laughs> right? It's like if someone is, you know, talking bad about your favorite TV show online or whatever. Well, I don't care what anyone says. I'm having a great time watching Doctor Who season 10 or whatever <laughs> it is, right? Have you so, ever said that in response to somebody uh, criticizing something in, on the internet or in real life? I feel like I must have. I don't, I don't know that I have, but I should definitely start. Now. Yeah. I feel um, like I say it uh, spiritually anytime I make reference to how much I love uh, The Phantom Menace. Sure. <laughs> you know, that's funny you bring up The Phantom Menace, because just today I told my daughter that Darth Vader's greatest enemy is Sebulba. <laughs> yeah, Sebulba's yeah, a jerk. <laughs> and that is technically true. Uh-huh. He's the only person who can drive faster than Darth Vader. That's what I told him. Do you think more so than Sand? Yeah, it might be Sand. Oh, yeah. Wait till Anakin gets a few years older than Darth Vader's greatest enemy is Sand. He does hate Sand. He sure does. But... All right, anyways. A thing What else happens in this movie? A thing that we don't hate is the Swedish chef fixing the film so we can watch the rest of it. Here's, uh, here's, Here's what I love about that. He's still covered in film. <laughs> yeah. When he says that, like clearly it's not fixed. <laughs> like, well, I figure those are scenes from earlier in the movie. Yeah, that might be true. That, yeah, you you might be right. It's still uh, yeah, not but optimal, the, you know. It's if you're fixing a fixing a reel of film, it's not the best situation for you to be covered in it when it's fixed. <laughs> right. That's the thing. True. Yeah, and, and that is a great chef line. Just derflim is okie dokie. <laughs> Which I, I sort of, I didn't double check this, but I vaguely remember that on the soundtrack album, they put that line at the very end after the last song. So like you hear the the Rainbow Connection reprise, the the timpani are playing, and then everything kind of fades out. And then you hear the chef say, Der Flame is okie dokie. And then uh, I think I, I alluded to this last week, but... The June 12th, 1978 draft of the script that we have been uh, referring to periodically had a few more things going on in the screening room before uh, the film got fixed. Uh, Fozzie complains to Kermit that his joke about the electrician and the polar bear had gotten cut. <laughs> um, I don't know uh, what the actual... Like, I think this is one of those things where the writers didn't really have a joke in mind. But it's interesting because in the Loretta Lynn episode of The Muppet Show, 
there's a bit where Fozzie attempts to tell his joke about the electrician and their polar bear, and he gets interrupted. I was going to say, that sounded like a familiar joke premise, that I'm glad to hear that I'm not crazy. If you're so very like, familiar with like the Loretta Lynn What's that? It's like Fozzie's white whale. Like He keeps, keeps trying to tell this joke. <laughs> I guess so. He never gets it. It's never been in his act in, in 40 years. <laughs> right. So the first time it got cut out of the script and the second time uh, a train went by just as he was telling the joke on the show. <laughs> um, and oh, but we do, actually we do hear the punchline on the Muppet Show episode, which is no, but the wallpaper tasted terrific, <laughs> which is great because that doesn't appear to have anything to do with either electricians or polar bears. Right, right. So, great joke, Fozzie. Uh, uh, it's conceptual, Ryan. Oh, it must be. It must be. It would go way over my head even if I did hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in that draft, Scooter complains because in that version of the script, he had not had any scenes yet. And then Kermit finds, guess who, in the screening room? That's right. Henry Kissinger. <laughs> making his... No, that's his yes, fourth making, I think this is his either fourth or fifth appearance in the the screenplay draft. Um, Still hoping to find a part in the movie. Kermit has to tell him you're not in this part of the movie either. Which (laughs) would have just been confusing because if that had gotten into the final film, we would be watching him in the Muppet movie being told that he's not in the Muppet movie. But... uh, (laughs) Anyway, it's they were just, it's just fascinating to me how committed uh, Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns were to this Henry Kissinger gag that it just keeps <laughs> popping up in that script. Yeah, which as as we've discussed, he was never going to do. There was no chance that Henry Kissinger would be like, "Oh, a puppet movie for children?" Yes, absolutely. I'm there. <laughs> no, I can't imagine. No way. Uh, and see, that strikes me as uh, and you guys probably know better than I would, but it strikes me as so kind of atypical sounding in terms. I mean, I know. At the time, Muppets are very contemporary because they had all kinds of like contemporary stars on their on their TV show and and, and then cameo in their movie. Um, that's something you need to explain to children watching it today when they're like maybe puzzled about how delighted you are to see Elliot Gould or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but Henry Kissinger is, seems like such a bizarre like you know there were, that's not not something I know as well from the Muppets is like have even if, even in an absurd way having a like a kind of it's not really a political joke, but it's certainly like, I mean, he was a very current figure in the political landscape at that time. You know, he was only, you know, what, five or six years removed from from being, you know, a regular White House person. Right. Yeah. That's, 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 sound, that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's unusual. Yeah. And just the fact that he would not have been playing a character, he would have been former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger <laughs> trying to get into the movie where all the other cameos, they're they're playing characters, so if you're a kid and you don't know who they are, you can kind of just roll with it. Like, oh, yeah. that's just some guy, you know, that's that's just an ice cream man. Yeah. You know, but yeah, Henry Kissinger would have stuck out a lot more. <laughs> right. Do you think that do you think that Jerry Jewell and um and Jack Burns saw the the Simpsons episode where they use Harry, Henry Kissinger and were kind of like, ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, man. Well Yeah, I, I bet they did. <laughs> well, wasn't wasn't Jack Burns on The Simpsons? He was, right? Oh man, yeah, I guess that's right. Maybe, man, I know it wasn't really Kissinger in the episode, but maybe, maybe he pushed for that joke. Right. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I would love to have confirmation on that. Um, speaking of uh, people who were in the U.S. government, 
<laughs> is that a good segue to the patriotic sure. part? Yeah, good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Do it. Uh, the the film the lights go down the film starts rolling again Kermit tells Robin it's the patriotic part Robin asks if we should stand up Kermit says no which <laughs> I, I don't want to get too deep into uh, controversial topics of the past year or two but it's interesting that Kermit is giving his impressionable young nephew permission to remain seated during this tribute to America well, I actually put in my notes, Papa John's dropped their sponsorship when Kermit told Robin not to stand. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, enough said on Which that. It's not, it's not even the national anthem. Like, we, our minds both went there. It's not even the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's my next note, though. Fozzie sings America the Beautiful. I'm one of those people who thinks that this song would be a better national anthem than the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, for sure. It's it's about how beautiful our country is. It's not about war. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's it's easier to sing, too. Maybe perhaps evidenced by the fact that, I mean, Frank Oz is a very talented singer and that he can sing in these different voices, but he's a, I, I think it would be a, more of a challenge for Fozzie to sing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> and the, yes. And the yeah, for sure. Well, and um, I wrote a couple of notes about the creation of America the Beautiful. Uh, it was written by Catherine Lee Bates in 1895, the words were. And um, her, her other most notable credit is that some people credit her with popularizing the concept of Mrs. Santa Claus in an 1889 poem called Goody Santa Claus on a Sleigh Ride. Huh. Which, so those are Catherine Lee Bates's big two. And the music is by Samuel A. Ward. Originally, it was called Materna and was intended as a tune for the hymn, Oh Mother Dear Jerusalem. So now you know a little bit about the uh, the, and well, the two never met each other. Yeah, this was that's not collaboration. That's interesting that that seems to happen with a lot of like old hymns and and old songs like that, where the music and lyrics might be written decades apart, where somebody just decided to to take existing music and and set an existing poem to it. So that's that's all I had, and maybe maybe that maybe the audience is asleep now. I don't know, but I felt like you know every other song in this movie was was written by Kenny Asher and Paul Williams. So we should we should give a nod to the writers of this one. Yes, very good. Uh, and and I hope that everyone has uh, woken back up, <laughs> so that now we can talk about these beautiful shots of scenery, which like I I have to think that they got this from like a film stock library, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it looks so much like some of the stuff when they're driving around and moving right along or something. I guess like, so. I, I don't I know. was trying to think too, if I could identify any of these, like there's a Canyon, which it kind of looks like the grand Canyon or it could just be some Canyon somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I really, I don't know. But I do think it, it all looks great. I think it's very lovely. Yeah, it's a great, it's great imagery to uh, accompany the song. Yeah. And um, the most, the prettiest image, I think, accompanying this entire song is when we cut back inside the car and Fozzie is singing. There's that just gorgeous green lens flare. Oh, yeah. Ah, it looks so great. I love it so much. And I, I wonder if it was intentional or if it just was a happy accident. But it looks so great. Hmm. I would think they would have noticed it at least and decided not to try to, you know, shoot it some other way. Right, right. I just mean like, did they were they going for that effect, or did they right. just say, "Wow, that looks cool. Let's keep that." 
Yeah, it, it looks, yeah, it definitely looks, looks great. Um, so there's the part where Fozzie sings, America, America, God shed his grace on thee, and he does the ba 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 ba, which I don't know about you, but it, depending on where I am, I always either sing that part, the, his ba 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 buzz, or it's, it's definitely going through my head. I sing them silently. <laughs> sure. Yeah, me too. Well, this is like when I think of this song, when I hear this song in any context, like I think of it as like Fozzie Bear's classic hit, American. Because <laughs> it's probably the first place you heard the song, right? I'm sure it is. Yeah, it must have been. Maybe, maybe preschool. You know, I remember we sang like patriotic songs in preschool and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm not sure one or the other. Either preschool or Fozzie. Right. <laughs> and uh, I did actually. I was curious. I I posted a a poll on our Tough Pigs forum. Asking, do you say ba 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 when you hear America the Beautiful? 63% of people who answered says yes, they do. 26% of people who must not be patriotic said no, they don't. And then the other 11% chose other. So the majority says yes, you have to sing ba 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 ba. What I find really interesting when you cut back to Fozzie and you see him doing his ba 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 is that. Uh, the reactions or kind of non-reactions of everyone else in the car, uh, particularly like watching it again for this podcast, I would go in over it a few times looking at Gonzo because I mean, this might just be kind of idle movement on the part of you know, trying to make it look like he's a, not just, you know, lying there in the car uh, and just make him look sort of more human. It was they're very good at doing uh, in these movies, but he looks like he's sighing and kind of shaking his head a little bit. <laughs> Hmm. Right. Well, and then, of course, um, Fozzie has that line, patriotism, patriotism swells in the heart of the American bear after he finishes. And no one responds. <laughs> but also, we stay in the car for a beat. And I feel like it's specifically so that it's clear that no one responds. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, well, you get right? the impression like, that they're all just waiting for him to finish singing the song. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which makes it so much funnier. <laughs> when I was thinking about it, I feel like in general, I was trying to remember what kind of rea- uh, interactions Gonzo and Fozzie have ever shared. And I mean, you guys would know better than I would, uh, I think. With, and with it's, but they, without, they don't like to talk that much, right? Right. It, it seems like they should be best friends because sometimes the two of them and Kermit are a trio. Yeah. Right. Like in the, in the Great Muppet Caper, I think m- most notably. Yeah. But, but without Kermit, they don't really do anything together. The only, yeah. ta- the only thing I can think of is in the Vincent Price episode of The Muppet Show, they rent a spooky old castle together that Gonzo found in the Vampire Weekly. <laughs> but that's, it's like just that one sketch. Yeah, that's, that seems, that's like, there's a weird kind of truth to that too, though, right? Because like, I think we've all probably had friendships where, you know, me and this other guy are both good friends with this guy in the middle, but if he's not there, it's kind of weird. Right, yeah, exactly. So it does Definitely. ring true, yeah. Yeah, and so then Fozzie puts his hat back on, which is a nice touch that he he took his hat off just to sing this song. Right. And uh, yeah, then he has Patriotism Swells in the Heart of the American Bear. I just love this song. It's so earnest, and it it just feels true to Fozzie somehow, even though it's not like patriotism is actually part of Fozzie's character. But (laughs) also, like, this, having Fozzie sing America the Beautiful doesn't really serve any purpose in the story. It's just entertaining and it kind of eases us back into the narrative of the movie, but it also distracts us from the fact that they don't explain how the whole gang got back together, how Kermit met up with them after he escaped from, from the barn where Doc Hopper had him, 
how right. they, you know, checked out of the hotel or anything. It's just here they are, they're on the road again, and here's the movie. Well, and I think the the one big thing that you forgot is that we get no explanation how Ralph joined them, right? Oh, the yeah, last time yeah. we saw Ralph, Kermit is leaving because he got that call from Piggy with Doc Hopper. Right. And Ralph says, never seen a guy that green get the blues that bad, right? Kermit leaves then, which means yeah. that Kermit like must have gone back and said, hey, actually, we're all going to Hollywood. Do you want to come with? And Rolf said, I got a job, but sure, why not? <laughs> and, like, we, of course, we don't need to see that, right? Like, we just, we don't, it, we'll never know. But it's just, like, one thing that, yeah, hey, hey, you, you guys know Rolf, the pianist from The Muppet Show? He, he's part of the gang now. Here he is. <laughs> and they could have shown us all that, but wouldn't you just rather see Fozzie singing this song? Right. Like, Kermit reunited with the others somehow. And now they're all on a road trip again, just like before Kermit and Piggy's date. Like the movie right. that we all expected to happen is happening again. And that's fine. I, I feel like weirdly there's in the, um, in the 2011 Muppets, there's, I didn't really think make this connection before, but there's kind of like a, not exactly a callback, but sort of a rhyming to that where Rolf, when they're on the car, Rolf is like, I, you know, I think my story is pretty interesting about how we, you got me back and they cut right. away and it's just him snoozing in a hammock and then approaching him and saying, hey, you want to be in the Muppets again? And he's like, sure. Um, yeah, I, I, is always the, it's always a lie did how he's actually convinced <laughs> to go back to the right. Well, and I mean, that movie has so many specific references to this one. You know, the, uh, the Mad Men Jr. and the rich and famous contract and all this stuff. Rainbow Connection, for heaven's sakes. I feel right. Like, I think it probably is a reference to yeah. we never found out how Ralph joined the gang. Uh-huh. So it's awesome. It's great. I love it. Yeah. In this case, we don't find out. In that case, we find out, but it's just not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another difference here from the June 1978 draft. Um, in the draft, Fozzie sings the whole song while parked in front of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> At the end, he says, the patriotic urge is very strong in American bears, which just feels like a few too many words. Yeah, yeah the, the revision is much better, much or cleaner. The wrong words, yeah. Um, and then it cut to Mount Rushmore, I, I guess presumably the Muppet version of Mount Rushmore, like we saw in the sex and violence pilot of the Muppet show. Oh, yeah, that would have been bad. Well, yeah, so so they're conducting a vote among themselves, like all in favor say aye, all opposed say nay. And then it turns out they're voting on, guess what, whether Henry Kissinger can join them on the mountain. (laughs) They all vote aye. Jefferson says the ayes have it. Lincoln says it's decided then. If you can't be in the movie, you can stay up here with us. And Kissinger says... Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> like, that's really funny to me in the context of they wanted Henry Kissinger in this movie so badly. Yeah. But in the movie, I don't think that joke would be funny at all. Like, <laughs> cool, because it breaks, like, the whole Muppets well, in the real world thing that this movie has from beginning to end. Like, if, if Mount Rushmore is a Muppet now, then what? where are we? You know? Right. And, and if it's, like, would it have been a giant... Muppet Henry Kissinger head on the mountain. It just doesn't. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine that actually existing. Right. And then uh, in the next scene, we would have seen uh, Sweetums running past Mount Rushmore trying to catch up with the gang, which that would have been fine. Yeah, that's good. Another like instance that. Of, of that running gag. 
Um, but that's not what we see here in the actual movie. We get a cut to uh, a smiling Kermit the Frog cutout popping up from behind some rocks. And then Doc Hopper's goons shooting at it, which is somewhat jarring. Well, it's kind of amazing how many assassins, frog assassins, Doc mm. Hopper hired or is auditioning. Yeah, them. there's six of these guys. Oh. Yeah, and they're all just just opening fire on this thing. Like, it, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, we talked about six guns on Kermit earlier uh, when Doc Hopper's goons pulled their guns on him. But here they're just like blasting away at him. And it's terrifying. Yeah, it's very violent. <laughs> And they they don't really hit. Am I remembering correctly that they don't really the target's not like decimated? Yeah, the target is not touched, um, which is good for Max because he's in the line of fire this whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You see like little puffs of smoke, like, like things where the bullets are hitting the rocks, but it, the the Kermit cutout does not seem to be getting hit. That's that's interesting. Um, you can see in in the shot with all six of these goons firing um, in the background, you can tell that uh, the scene is filmed at Vasquez rocks, which is a natural rock formation. That's not far from Los Angeles. And it's been used in a million movies and TV shows. How, did, did you guys notice that? No, I, I, I mean, I did like not specifically, but I it definitely looks familiar. Yeah. It's one of those kind of movie things that once you know about it, you tend to recognize it. Sure. That makes sense. Um, it's been used in Star Trek, The Twilight Zone, Gunsmoke, Planet of the Apes, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and then a few productions with connections to this movie, like The Flintstones, which uh, used creature shot puppets, uh, The Flintstones movie, and Short Circuit, which of course featured Austin Pendleton. So he got to go back to the Vasquez Rocks for that movie. <laughs> and uh, Blazing Saddles, which was directed by Mel Brooks, who we previously saw in this movie. And according to Wikipedia, dinosaurs used it for something, which I don't... Dinosaurs didn't do any on-location on location shooting, so maybe they just used it as a backdrop for something. I don't know. Is it or something? Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone out there knows, uh, you know, please uh, please let us know. But Kirk it was Thatcher kinda, might know. We should Kirk ask Thatcher, Kirk. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of cool to, to see that... Uh, just because it has so much uh, connection to movie history. Right. Uh, and then this is where Hopper, Doc Hopper arrives. He tells the boys to stop shooting so he can introduce them to the specialist he hired. And this is our first glimpse at Snake Walker, a very scary looking guy. Um, and he's, he's holding these, these weapons. He has weapons strapped to him. So you can tell he means business. Durning's line here, Charles Durning's line Obviously, he made this way before he was in a couple of Coen Brothers movies, but I feel like a lot of people will probably recognize him either from the Muppet movie or a couple of Coen Brothers movies. And his lion is weirdly kind of to me has the it's not quite as loquacious as a as a classic Coen Brothers line, but the way he says no reflection on the job you've been doing, but I've decided to bring in a specialist. I think maybe maybe no reflection on the job you've been doing, boys, or something like that. There's yeah. just like kind of you know, almost formality to that, that kind of sounds like something one of his Coen Brothers characters would say. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's very... Happy yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's or uh, wearing Hudsucker, right? Is the yeah. Other... Awesome. Um, no, yeah, I hadn't right. really noticed that line before, but I picked up on it this time. Yeah. Um, so my thing about Snake Walker has always been, 
it seems so much like he's supposed to be a celebrity cameo. Hmm. Like I've always kind of thought, you know, maybe Clint Eastwood or someone like that. But, and I was thinking about it today while watching this. And I think why I've always felt that way is that he gets exactly the same kind of intro that Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, and Mel Brooks do. We see his legs and his back first, and then we see his face. Like we're supposed to recognize him. And we don't, he's not a celebrity. He's just some stone-faced nobody named Scott Walker. But it's, he's given the, like, the Muppet movie celebrity cameo treatment. Am, am I crazy? No, I see that. Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, it's kind of a reveal. Like, oh, look at this guy. Yeah, and like it, it seems like it's going to be maybe not Clint Eastwood specifically, but like some some movie tough guy, right? And then it's just like some weirdo in goth makeup. Yeah, uh, Clint Eastwood certainly would have been a good a good choice for that. I'm trying to think who else. Like, who else would you have cast as Snake Walker? Yeah, like, is, does Charles Bronson ever done one of these? Like, Eastwood actually makes sense, a lot of sense, because isn't this around the time he's doing eight movies? Yeah, yeah, this is right around, yeah, I think uh, I think Every Which Way But Loose was, like, 78. Yeah, so right right around this time. Yeah. He, he could never argue that it would be beneath his dignity. <laughs> right, right, right. He already um, worked with an orangutan, so why not uh, Frog? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Charles Bronson would have made sense, or... What about um, Charlton Heston? Yeah, sure. Someone like that would have been would have been fine. Um, someone like Tom Laughlin from the Billy Jack movies, even like that yeah. that kind of person, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's not any of those people. It's 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 somebody named Scott Walker who's not the governor of Wisconsin. Not the musician Scott Walker either. Oh right, yeah. Huh. But it's interesting that this guy's name is Walker and the character's name is Walker. I I can only sort of assume that. They named a character for him? All right, I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence. Yeah, I don't know. That would be an odd coincidence. Very. Oh, interesting. Walker is actually, I didn't realize this, he's in High Plains Drifter with Eastwood. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So uh, that's actually all I have for these minutes. Uh, anything else uh, specifically about these two minutes from you guys? Uh, no, I think I've exhausted my store of America the Beautiful trivia. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jesse? I, I would just say it's... I really bears appreciation, no pun intended, or maybe semi-intended, uh, how well Frank Oz sings as both Fozzie and Miss Piggy. That's like a weird kind of really impressive talent. Yeah, sure. And I, I think I, I think he would take this in the spirit in which I uh, intend it, that if you go back to some of his earlier singing performances, like on Sesame Street, and compare it to the stuff he does in this movie, I think he got a lot better over the years as he got more practice singing in character. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, Jesse, something we like to ask our guests is, uh, what's your history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Have you, you know, is it uh, one of your favorite Muppet movies? Is it your favorite Muppet movie? Yeah, well, so I don't remember. It's I've been, it's been with me so long that I don't remember when I first saw it. Um, I didn't have a VCR until I was like eight. My family didn't. Um, so I don't think I would have seen it that many times, although I was super obsessed with The Muppet Show and Sesame Street and all Muppet stuff. I think Muppets Take Manhattan was one of my first movies that I saw in the theater. So I remember when I first saw that. Um, the Muppet movie, I don't recall. I know the, you know, I remember that, the end of it being a very vivid memory of being kind of disturbed by the, but what it's now I think a very beautiful ending. Um, 
I do think it's sort of like uh, I did a ranking for the AV Club when I did a run the series piece on this. And there might be other Muppet movies I like more in terms of pure pleasure. Uh, you know, I might be more apt to rewatch Great Muppet Caper or even Muppet Most, Muppets Most Wanted, the recent one. But it, uh, Muppet movie is sort of to me like Star Trek II, where it's sort of like there's ones that I kind of like better, but it's like kind of inarguably the best one, I think. <laughs> it's just like what it does is kind of the perfect version of what the, what they want to do in a Muppet movie. Um, and I actually, I can remember the most recent time I saw it, not all the way through because um, we had we left, but I took my daughter, uh, it was at the Museum of Moving Image and we had tickets to the exhibit, the Henson exhibit there. And it came with free tickets to a movie. So she was a little, she was only like one and a half, uh, like closer to two, almost, you know, a couple months shy of two maybe. And we thought, okay, well, it's free. So we can, we'll take our, we'll take her and just, we can leave like easily. We won't feel like it's a big deal if we have to leave about 40 minutes. And, um, and that's, we did, she last, she was pretty into it, but last, you know, about 45 minutes, she seemed like fidgety. She wasn't like screaming that she had to go or anything, but she was pretty transfixed for the first 30 or 40 minutes. And it's, it's kind of her first movie in the theater because the first thing she saw on like a real big screen, although we didn't, we did not finish it. Um, and it's it, unlike uh, other Muppet movies, we watched um, Muppet Treasure Island at home. And I like Muppet Treasure Island, but I, but I kind of sold it to her. He's like, oh, you want to watch another movie with Kermit? She likes Kermit. Uh, who doesn't like Kermit? And then like 20 minutes into Muppet Treasure Island, she just looks at me. And this was before she was like as verbal as she is now. She just looks at me and goes, Kermit? As if to say like, guys, like. Where, where is he? Yeah, where's Kermit? <laughs> like, you said this is a Kermit movie. I've seen like two seconds of Kermit. Um, so I think Muppets, Muppet, the Muppet movie definitely sated her interest in seeing actually Kermit because he's in a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you get Kermit early and often. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, and just to go, circle back to that AV Club piece that you mentioned, um, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Because cool. it's, it's a very well thought out and thorough look at the movie series. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was it was a black. It was a very easy one to do because sometimes you do these. I did a one on the Pink Panther that's coming soon, and I love those movies as a kid. But and I, I still like some of them. But like having to go back and rewatch all the Pink Panther movies, yikes! Yeah, <laughs> or, or watch some of the the later ones for the first time. But watching the Muppet movies again is a delight, and you know, sure. well, include especially the Muppet movie, which I do think is kind of perfect within its intentions. Sure. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that we love to see on a mainstream website, too. Yeah. So thanks for writing it, guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for reading it, and thanks for having me on the show. This is super cool. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, with that, we can uh, wrap things up here. Don't forget, everyone, to check out toughpigs.com on the internet, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter and various other places. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. And Jesse, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at at Rotmarooned. Very good. If you're so inclined, listeners, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and leave all kinds of positive comments and tell all of your Muppet-loving friends about the show. And be sure to join us next time for another episode of Moving Right Along. Bye! Bye!